Hi, welcome back to Something Private, a podcast for Southeast Asian women by Southeast Asian women, exploring conversations around health, the self, community, and love. My name is Nicole, and I am your producer and host. Singapore is currently working on a white paper on gender equality. Pretty monumental stuff. So white papers are basically policy documents produced by the government that set out their proposals for future legislation. Now, Singapore has done quite a fair bit in terms of gender equality. Most notably, you guys might remember updates to the Penal Code in 2019 when they repealed marital rape immunity and enhanced protection for victims in the Protection Against Harassment Act. But it seems as if everything up until then was pretty much reactive and there was nothing much done to address the root of some quite serious societal biases we had. But with the announcement of the White Paper, which would involve year-long national conversations, it seemed like finally, a proactive step towards tackling the core of the decay of our society. Okay, that was really dramatic. I'm kidding. But one thing they brought up which I thought was really a point to note was about the idea of mindset change. So of course, being a podcast centred around having conversations to drive change, we needed to be involved. At the core of the team leading these conversations are three female members of parliament, Sun Xueling, Rahayu Mazam and Lo Yanling. Today, we've invited Sun Xueling, the Minister of State in the Ministry for Education and Ministry for Social and Family Development, okay, really long title, we know, to chat with us. We're going to do two things. The first, to flesh out the details of the review, how it's going to be carried out. And the second, how everyday individuals like you and I can participate in it and have our voices heard. Okay, hi. Hi, morning. <laughs> morning. Thanks for coming and joining us on the show today. We'll keep it very casual. Introduce yourself first, your name, your designation. Maybe a bit of like a fun fact fun about fact. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hi, good morning everyone. I'm Sun Xueling. I'm currently the Minister of State at the Ministry of Education as well as the Ministry of Social and Family Development. I joined uh, politics in 2015. Before that, I had spent my entire career in the private sector um, fun fact, right? Um, I have two daughters. They are three and seven. I spent all my waking hours apart from work with them. That's my strongest desire. I think about my daughters, the first thing when I wake up in the morning and the last thing before I go to bed. They make me so happy. Uh. Mm. I just like to say that. Yeah. So sweet. Okay. Um, thanks a lot for being here. The big thing that we're going to talk about on today's episode is the gender equality white paper that was announced earlier in September. So mm. I think, can you just briefly tell me what the white paper will entail and I guess like how the government intends to roll it up? Okay. We actually launched this uh, conversations on women's development on the 20th of September. Minister Shamugam had given a speech to lay out where he felt we had come as a nation where women's development was concerned. Mm. And moving forward, if we want to continue to uplift, empower and support our women, then what might be some of the areas we can collectively look at as a society? But moving forward for the next one year, we intend to have more than 100 conversations. These can be large-scale ones. There could be very small ones as well. There could be uh, conversations in a very intimate setting. Maybe say 20 or 30 young people, for mm. instance. So we are not going to be too, um, uh, how shall I put it, formal 
about how we intend to structure these conversations. What is important is that we want to get the whole society talking about it. Mm. Because obviously, firstly, women are half you know, our um, citizens and the conversation should go beyond what should be legislated um, and also into our social consciousness because we are all the you know, we, we are all either mothers or we have sisters or, you know, um, and like I mentioned, I have daughters, you know. So we want to collectively think as a society how we want to further improve and we want men and women to be part of the conversation. So um, the launch on the 20th of September was just the start of it. Mm. And moving forward, we really hope to encourage more members of the public to step forward, in particular youths, because it is the future Singapore we want to build together. Mm. Okay, that sounds great because I think that, like, I guess that was a brief announcement of the initiative and then yes. later on yes. you're rolling out the parts, right? Yes. I yes. want to know, um, and I think this is something that some people have been questioning also, right? Why now to have this white paper? Why is now mm. a good time? Mm. Mm. Actually, if we take a step back, if we look at national indicators of how women have progressed, literacy, indicators, mm. 96%. If we look at employment indicators, more than 70% of women are employed. If we look at the number of women graduates, the number of women in STEM professions, actually, we actually rank very well. Yep. Right. So we are actually starting on uh, strong foundations. Mm. But if we look at it from another angle, we had the Women's Charter in 1961. And since then, there have been periodic updates yep. and there have been changes uh, to different parts of legislation that relate to issues around women or that women are interested in. Mm -hmm. You know, we have also had um, revisions to certain criminal penalties on offences that are conducted against women. But actually, these are largely, if I may say so, piecemeal. Mm -hmm. they, they focus on different issues that pop up. But it's quite different from a national conversation. Mm. Because when you have a national conversation involving different stakeholders and members of the public, then you go beyond legislation. We actually did a survey mm. of about 1,000 respondents to just identify what are some of the more hot topic type of issues. And without wanting to prejudge the conversation mm. uh, or the series of conversations we'll be having in the next one year, we found that actually the issues perhaps could be bucketed into different domains. For instance, in the home setting. Mm. So for instance, values, role models, caregiving burden, and also family violence. Uh, so family violence is an area that I'm paying particular attention to because I used to be at the Ministry of Home Affairs and now at the Ministry of Social and Family Development. And we have unfortunately noticed a certain trend mm. um, in a number of inquiries about family violence uh, because of the COVID-19 situation and the stresses that families are now come under arising from uh, the economic challenges uh, of uh, COVID-19. For schools, we obviously have you know, primary, secondary, mm. JC, and um, we will look at ensuring that there is uh, equal access and opportunities for every boy and every girl to realise uh, his dreams and their pursuits. Uh, and beyond that, for institutes of higher learning, for example, our autonomous uh, universities, mm. um, there has been, unfortunately, a few incidents 
uh, whereby there is uh, concerns about sexual offences that are committed in the universities. So that has come up as an area of discussion that youths are particularly are concerned about. Yep. They want to know uh, what the authorities are going to do about it, what the school leaders are going to do about it. So I think we will look at, at those. Beyond schools, uh, workplaces, uh, women have also shared with us that you know there might be workplace discrimination practices, glass ceiling, mm-hmm. um, concerns about being unfairly penalised because they go on maternity leave or they have to take leave to take care of the children. Uh, and in the larger community, what are our perspectives on women, mm. you know, do we, do we have gender stereotypes mm. about how we respect women? Do we show that in the language that we use? Um, do we also show that in our choice of role models for our children, mm. for instance? I think these are some of the larger topics. Huh? So I thought that having the issues kind of broadly put into different domains will allow us to have a more in-depth conversation um, to ensure that no topics are you know, left out inadvertently. Yeah. Um, there is no specific split of responsibilities amongst uh, the three public office holders who are looking into these conversations. And very importantly, we are going to involve men in the conversation because uh, they are going to be part of the solution, yep. if not a very large part of the, of the solution. Yep. Uh, so, like I said, what's important are the organisations that will be organising those conversations. And we'll make sure that we'll reach out to men, invite men into the conversation, have them part of the solution. So it's not just three women public office holders talking and deciding what the topics are. Yeah, I mean, from what you said, it does seem as if like you, you guys did survey first yes. and then d- determine these are the areas I wouldn't, I wouldn't say focus. determine, but it highlights some of the issues. Yep. And I'm very, very, very sure that as we have more conversations, more issues will surface. Mm. And that's why it's going to be almost like a living document also. You know? mm. We are going to be collating all these responses. Some people may have suggestions on how to address some of the issues that come up. Mm. Um, but the, the white paper is, is not like a cast in stone. Yep you know, decided from the onset what are the issues that will be discussed. As I mentioned, some of it might be legislatable, mm. some might not be. Mm. And I think that's that's probably the most important part of it. Yep. And the engagement process is, is important and in some ways perhaps even more important than the end outcome. Because sometimes it is through the process of conversations that people start questioning your own assumptions. Mm. And then you start asking yourself, is this the right way to look at women? Mm. Is what I'm saying at home furthering stereotypes? Am I limiting my daughter through the words I use, through how I encourage her, Mm. for instance? Am I, for instance, as an employer, subconsciously portraying certain biases I may have as an employer uh, through certain HR practices I practice in the office. So these are the conversations, these are the thoughts we want people to start thinking about. Mm. Then everyone can be a part of the solution. Mm. Yeah. I want to go back to asking a bit about the motivation behind mm. the white paper. Was there like a trigger or like a, you know, um, a conversation that you guys had internally that gave you the green light to saying that, okay, maybe this is something that we should put forward 
an action, right? Because they think all the steps, like the protection order, and you know, the repeal of the marital rate mm. and everything, I think that was really, really well done. But mm. it did feel as if like we needed this bigger conversation, like, like mm. you mentioned, yeah. Mm. I don't think there is a specific incident that says that because of this, therefore, we are launching this mm. uh, conversation. But we felt that there is a point now whereby it would be important and useful for us to have a collective discussion as to what we can do more about to improve and empower and uplift our women. It's part of us growing up together mm. as a society mm. and as a nation, you know. And this may be stating the obvious, huh? but women are a very important part of our society, right? Mothers, sisters, daughters, you know. Uh, we care uh, for the women in our midst. Mm. And I think it is one thing to say we care. It's quite another thing to say, let's do something about it. Yep. Let's talk about it. Yep. To what extent did some of these instances of like sexual harassment and violence mm. culminate to this white paper today? Because I mean, in the last like two years, I think Singapore's own movement against like towards better gender equality has taken off quite a bit. And I think there's a large part of it that has to do with some of the very high-profile cases that we've seen in the news. And I think the second question is that with the whole idea of um, engaging the community, right? You're right, you know, that people come from different places. I think that for our audience, I think we, we have an idea of what kind of society we want to live in. But the challenge then comes with like, tightening the gap between the two different like mindsets, right? I'm, 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 my, my, the thing that comes to mind is like, for instance, if I want to have a conversation with my family about gender-based violence or, you know, like family violence that's happening, how do I kind of get them to see where I'm coming from it, but also to see where they are coming from, for instance? Yeah. I can't give a scientific answer to it to say that because this case happened or that happened, and that was the trigger, mm. and this was the result. Mm. I, I don't think we can draw a straight line in that way. But suffice to say that uh, the incidents uh, that have happened in the institutes of higher learning, the offences that had occurred, and if we look at the situations around the offences, you know, for example, the use of uh, mobile devices, right? Mm. What were the triggers that led to the perpetrator, you know, uh, committing the offence. Yep. You know, I, I think all those interesting points that lead us to a large, larger question mm. about how is society, how are young people uh, looking at relationships, mm. how they are looking at digital content, mm. how they are making use of mobile devices, you know, as an expression of their innermost thoughts. Mm. I think various questions have been raised, mm. yeah, which lead us to the larger question about the objectification of women, mm. the respect and the boundaries uh, between you know, boys and girls, yep. um, the type of relationships people have. So those are the questions that have come up. Yes, And uh, there are also, uh, because of the COVID-19 situation, it has also highlighted the, the stresses uh, that lead to family violence, mm -hmm. for instance. So what I would say is that pockets of this, mm. things that are surfacing, lead us to question where we are going, mm. what can we do, what more can we do, how do we involve men and women into the conversation, how can everyone be a part of the solution. Yep. 
Uh, and as I, and like I mentioned earlier, the white paper is a way for us to collate the responses and have everyone come together and know that this is what we want to do together. Mm. Yeah. But it is not a piece of legislation. Mm. After the white paper comes out, we will have to decide what parts of it should be legislated for maximum effect. What other parts of it are going to be um, more about mindset changes so that real change will actually happen on the ground? Mm. Uh, in the second point you raised about how uh, people surface problems, you mentioned family violence. Yep. Yes. So we are first and foremost increasing the number of channels mm. in which uh, victims or potential victims can reach out to help themselves. Um, very clearly, in the past half a year, they have been looking at, actually more than half a year, so in the past one year, they have been looking at this topic. I think what has been very clear is that while we call it domestic violence, or some people say family violence, mm. as a society, we do not accept that it is a personal or a family-only problem. Mm. It shouldn't happen behind closed doors. Mm. I think we have, it's quite clear that stakeholders, people who care about a topic, are saying very firmly that this is an issue that the entire society needs to look at. Yep. We need to make sure that vulnerable members of the public are protected. There are avenues of help. It is not just a family issue, even if we may call it family violence. That being said, we need to make sure that there are channels that people can be able to contact for help, be it a hotline, be it a safe place, you know, be it crisis shelters, you know, be it counsellors who proactively follow up with uh, victims or potential victims, and also working with the police, for instance, ensuring that when the authorities come in, they come in with a proper mindset, there is sensitivity when they talk to victims or potential victims, that they go also beyond that. Sometimes it is not just about whether an offence has been created, but rather, is there risk of another offence happening? And how are we going to prevent that from happening? So the involvement of the uh, Family Violence Specialist Centres, uh, the FSCs, the Family Service Centres, that's going to be very important because these are our partners on the ground mm. and they are reaching out to families. Mm. I think like more specifically, mm. when we talk about, that's, that's the first step, right? If yes. let's say something bad happens at home, then mm. the, the victims or the survivors know that this is a place that they can reach out to. But on the flip side, right, how do we then communicate to the perpetrators that this is an action that is wrong or mm. that, you know, this is not just a concern that happens within like the family. Yes, that's, that's an interesting point that you raised. In, in fact, we've had specifically discussed what we can do with regards to perpetrators. Um, so for instance, um, how do we apply for domestic exclusion orders? Can we think about removing the perpetrator from the family mm. rather than removing the victims from the family? It's an important signaling effect. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Go more upstream on our intervention methods. So if we go to the root causes of what triggers them to commit family violence, I think that would be helpful. So we work on the perpetrators rather than just provide counselling or provide shelter to the victim because that is very downstream. We want to look at what we can do upstream uh, with the perpetrators as well. Personally, I mean, um, I have come across myself family violence situations 
I personally feel that the anger management part of it is actually very, very important. Mm. Sometimes in different contexts, I hate to say this, but the truth of the matter is that most of the perpetrators are men. They may feel find some difficulty in conveying their emotions. They may not know how to solve some of the problems they face and they end up externalizing it on the people around them. And this could be just, you know, their wife, their helpless children, uh, or even a vulnerable adult like an elderly parent. You know, it could be that he did not intend it to be so, but because he could not, how should I put it, mediate within himself and find that balance, he externalized it. So if we do not go at the root causes, then we are simply just addressing the problem as they arise. And it's going to be also through the police force as well as our stakeholders such as the family violence specialist centres and the family service centres because they are the ones who are going to look at it on a case management, you know, family-focused way uh, of um, managing and helping the family. Uh, so, so that's how we're thinking about mm. it. I want to know if... Um on the topic of addressing the perpetrator, right? Does yes. this extend to beyond just family violence? Yeah. Uh, I, and then when we look at the situations in the institutes of higher learning, then we have to go deeper mm. and ask ourselves, why are our young men thinking about women in a certain way? Yep. What kind of content are they consuming privately that leads them to think about women in that way. Why is it that they will wantonly use their mobile device and go film someone in a shower, mm. you know, or take upskirt videos? Mm. And that where, where is that threshold? Yeah. Do they not know that it is disrespectful to women? I mean, the women could be like their mothers, their sisters, you know, or, or, or next time their daughters, you know. Mm. So, so why is it that it doesn't inhibit them? Is it that the threshold of self-regulation has become so low? Mm. Yeah, And then, of course, the larger question is, what can we do about it? Mm. I don't have the answer. Mm. Like I said, we've only just had the first conversation. But I think what, we're, what we need to do, be it as a policymaker or as a society that wants to do something about it, is to identify the underlying factors yeah. that are consistent amongst the various cases. And then to say, can we do something about it? Mm. I think that's the important bit of work that if we want really to solve the issue, nip it in the bud, then collectively we have to identify those underlying factors and start thinking very hard how to address them. We're taking a short break. Something Private is a podcast produced by WeFM. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favourite podcast. So one of the big concerns I had when reading about this gender equality white paper was, how can I get involved? I have so many things to add to the conversation and I want to be part of the change. If that's exactly you tuning into this episode, rest assured, you guys can get involved by registering your interest to participate in the upcoming conversations over at the website, go gov.sg forward slash sgwomen or if you are unsure feel free to drop us a DM on Instagram at somethingprivatepod or email us at nicole at somethingprivate.fm Now back to the episode 
So for instance, mm. like with issues on like sexual violence or family violence, for instance, I think if you ask somebody from a younger generation, they'll tell you like, oh, so simple lah, you know, like just do this or like these are the steps that the that should be in place for us. These are the safety nets that should be available. But then I guess like if you ask somebody from your own generation, the perspective might be a bit different, right? So how do we then, and it gets very heated, like, you know, the younger generation will be like, no, this is so straightforward. This shouldn't be the case. But somebody from the older generation might not see it that way. So I guess like, how do you help society collectively see eye to eye on that? Mm. Yeah. I, I think even though Singapore is a very young nation mm. and um, we're very multicultural, the reason why I mention it is because actually we are not that homogeneous as a mm. society. There are differences in perspectives, young and old, maybe also between the different races or people with different religious uh, yeah. affiliations. Even maybe how men think about certain issues are different from how women think about yeah. certain issues. Um, so society is not homogeneous. Yeah. But I think one thing is very clear, which is Singaporeans have a very strong sense of what is fair and what is just. Mm. And where violence is concerned, I think largely nobody condones violence. Mm. Yeah? True. Especially when it is conducted against a vulnerable person. I think we are, as a society, unanimous in saying that we do not, dis- we, we do not agree with this. Mm. And that when such an offence has happened, then the appropriate penalty needs to be meted out. Mm. I think we're quite clear mm. where this is concerned. Yeah, I think with the idea that, you know, people are free and open to express their views on social media these days, right? Yes. Then you get instances where, let's say, if it's a, a case of, like, sexual violence, then yes. people, you do hear comments where people say, like, you know, what was she wearing? Yeah. Or, you know, like, did she find herself in that situation? So I think it's good that when we talk about like mindset change, we address like um, how we bring up the our children from young. But yes. if in the first place, like there is a difference in the starting points in terms yes. of like yeah, where each individual comes from. Then how do we then tell like maybe a grown adult that this is what is wrong and this is how you should reconsider the situation? Yes, yes. And actually, that's precisely why we think that we need to have conversations around it. Mm. Because, like it or not, it's not an offence for someone to have a perspective or a view on something that has happened. We can't say it's illegal for you to think about it this way. And it might be a function of their values, their own upbringing, their background, what they have personally experienced. You know, there could be a huge host, a variety of reasons. Yeah? But what we hope to do is that when we talk about it with the intent of improving the situation, and I think when we have that starting point for the conversations, mm. then I, I think people know that they should be constructive. Mm. I think that's the main point of it. Mm. You know there's a problem, let's try to be constructive about it. Mm. Let's toss up some ideas about what the potential solutions can mm. be. Mindset change is going to take some time. Yeah. I, I don't think we can set strict timelines mm. When mindset change is concerned, you can't say in five years we will have this mindset change and yep. the next 10 years we will have that. I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think we can get down to that level because mm. it's perhaps not physically possible. Mm. You know? And different people go into it with different starting points, a point that you have raised before. Yeah? But looking at how society has evolved, you know, it was perhaps just 50 years ago you know, whereby I, I think Singapore was um, perhaps even 
more conservative, more patriarchal compared to now. Yep. But society has changed. Mm. It has evolved. You know, we see it. It has happened in Singapore. As long as we reach out to as wide an audience as possible, uh, and we touch on areas that it's not like esoteric, you know. <laughs> it's like people know it. It's a. It's it's they 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 personally have seen it. Mm. You know, I have a lot of faith. If we as a society think that this is an important issue for us to discuss, and the issues that are identified are topics that people know for a fact is happening around them or that these are privately their thoughts you know, that they've had before. Mm. Uh, I have a lot of faith that actually fellow Singaporeans, I think collectively we want to do something about it. I have a lot of faith in that mm. actually. Yeah. I'm wondering if you've ever faced a situation where I guess you, have, you felt like you were held to a different kind of standard to your male counterparts mm. and maybe if it's any, in any way related to the gender equality paper that you are, mm, mm, you are mm. hitting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I can't answer for everyone, mm. um, but for myself, my, my, my own career before I joined politics, I was in the private sector. Mm. And if you ask me honestly, hand over heart, uh, when I was working in the private sector, do I feel discriminated as a woman? Uh, do I feel that there is a glass ceiling? And I guess following from that, after I joined politics, whether I also I've, I feel that there are instances that lead me to question whether I am handicapped mm. as a woman. Yeah? I would say that being in the private sector, and I've, I've worked actually overseas for much of that, that time, like I say, there are different power dynamics in every society. Even in industries, mm. there are some industries that are more male-dominated yep. than other industries. And I think what's important uh, for women is that when you're in that industry, in that sector, you ask yourself, what are the value-add strengths that you bring into your job? What mm. are your skills? Always be confident about what you possess. Mm. Never end up telling yourself, I'm a woman, I can't do this, I can't do that. Mm. Never let your own mindset become that limiting factor. Mm. And when we come across instances where uh, we feel that certain things have uh, happened and it's not fair, I actually feel that women, we owe it to ourselves uh, to bring it up. And in this time and age, uh, any company, any organisation, I think they know that they are being held to standards. Yeah. Especially, I think, in Singapore. Mm. There's nothing stopping a woman from going to Tafet MOM, to say that this thing has happened to me, mm. I want MOM, Tafet, to investigate. Mm. I think employers know that, though I would say that it can be, it, it, it is likely not uniform mm. uh, across uh, the industries. Huh? You know, there are MNCs also, and then there are small medium enterprises, and, and different companies may have different HR cultures. But I think our society is one that is open, mm. is transparent. The government agencies are there. I, I think... What we want to also do is to ensure that people know what numbers to call and who to email, you know. And as long as their concerns are channeled to the relevant agency to look into, I have a lot of faith that the agencies will follow up. Mm. So that, that has been my experience uh, in the private sector. In public office, I mean, first and foremost, I'm a member of parliament. I walk around my estate 
a lot. You know, I meet many Pongo residents. The demographics in my ward is a very young one. Mm. Largely young families. I'm slightly older <laughs> than my residents, perhaps about five years older. Uh, they're very open with me. Hand over heart, I have not felt discriminated against. Though once in a while, mm. not frequently, an older person may say, oh yeah, you're so young, you understand what I mean or not. Mm. You know, I haven't had someone say, hey, you are a woman. Uh, mm. I don't think you can solve my problem. I haven't had that said in my face. I, I don't know whether people think that way. Uh, you know? I, I, think, I, I, think, I think the fact right, that they don't say it in your, in your face uh, is already uh, an important point, you know? It's true. Because they know it's person. not right yeah. to say that. Mm. Because if it's like very rampant in society, like someone can just walk up to you and say, hey, I think you're a woman and I don't think you're capable of solving my problem. Then I think as a society, we have a problem, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because it's considered normal, yep. you know, which it shouldn't be, yep. you know. And I think largely, based on my own personal experience, I've not seen that mm. happen. Yeah. When I first Googled you, <laughs> one of the first like top searches were Sun Xueling, pretty. And it, it does seem as if like there are different kinds of markers or indicators that they kind of yes. look at as as you as a woman compared to yes. like you as a man. Yeah. I, I, what I'm saying is that it may not necessarily like inhibit you from carrying out your roles, but do you ever feel that kind of like pressure? It is interesting that you mentioned this actually. Because I was in a recent uh, dialogue with Madam President with uh, SCWO, the Singapore Council for Women's uh, Organisations. And uh, Madam President brought up that she had read online that there were various comments about what the women office holders wore at uh, the swearing-in ceremony Mm. at the Istana. Actually, I didn't know that beforehand. So I went to Google and uh, my first impression was, wow, people paid attention to what I wore that day. And there were obviously quite a few uh, remarks uh, that were not altogether positive, Mm. you know. Um, And then after that, I thought, maybe it shouldn't be surprising, but that's in itself quite sad because uh, the swearing-in uh, ceremony and appointment is a, is, is, a, is a formal one. And I was, of course, very, very grateful for the opportunity. Uh, mm. And also, you know, proud of the moment. It's like I'm taking up my responsibility. I have responsibilities for, you know, fellow citizens, you know, and all sorts of thoughts were going through my mind. And then at the end of the day, when you read online that actually what people are thinking about was what you wore, then you're kind of like, uh, <laughs> duh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's why, uh, coming back to uh, the topic for today's discussion, that's why I think the conversations are important. You know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying right now, I hope someone would read and, you know, uh, a young man would read and mm-hmm. say that actually, maybe next time before he makes such a comment online, that he knows how other people reading it feels huh? mm. and actually it reflects on the person who makes who makes that comment don't you think yep 100 percent, right yeah 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 so i hope that consciousness seeps through uh. mm. yeah mm. you are a mother of two, two daughters girls, right yes i think that's really <laughs> a lot of respect given because <laughs> it's not easy to be a mother and yes. to be a public figure at that so i want to know um i guess like how do you juggle both roles especially with like your daughters being so young, right? And then particularly that you are in this position that you are in now, um, talking about gender equality, family mm. violence, and stuff like that. Very 
experiences that you would probably relate to on a personal mm. or very personal level, right? Mm. How do you envision, like, I guess, the Singapore that you want your daughters to grow up in to be like? Yeah, yeah. I, I really love children, you know. There is just something about being around children, you know, um, that it really makes me very, very happy. I'm, just, I'm not saying it. I, I, I'm just, it, you know, it really makes me feel that way. I can feel it. You can feel it? <laughs> <laughs> it must be very metal, no? <laughs> um, and, you know, when I look at children, and you know when you tell children something, you can see the sparkle in their eyes. You know? They are listening to you intently. Mm. People say they are like sponges. Mm. And it's true, you know, they are absorbing all this information, consciously, subconsciously, sometimes without the adults realising it. Whatever that we are saying now, the future we are building, it is our children who will inherit it and be a part of it. And because of that, I feel that we actually have very, very uh, heavy responsibilities. Yep. Because 20 years down the road, when they become adults, they go into society. The culture, the work, work environment that they face, we had actually, whether we like it or not, 20 years ago, mm set certain things in place, taken steps in a certain direction that they will end up facing when they grow up as adults. I'm already in my 40s, you know. At this point in my life, right, the things that are going through my mind is what can I do for our children? I think fundamentally, we must ensure that the society that they grow up, they go into, continues to be a fair and just one and also an inclusive one. Fair meaning that whatever they do, they choose to do, they know they have a fair shot at it, mm. equal opportunity at it. Mm. And I want to do my part to ensure that when our children grow up and become adults, that they know they have a fighting shot at it. Mm. There may not be equal outcomes, but they must have equal opportunity. Yeah? And when they look at Singapore, they, they look at you know, um, developments around them, they know that Singapore is a fair and just society. And that we'll always help the vulnerable in our midst. Mm. That that is what that that drives me. Mm. Yeah, mm. I'm very curious because yes. I, I I want to ask also like um, I think I guess you, you do strike me as a very strong woman. You know you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a compliment. Okay. <laughs> I want to know. Um, is it the the gestures? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. I guess like. When you speak to your daughters or like when you raise them, right? How do you navigate that kind of like gender role in your own like family as well? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, my children are still very young. Mm. I have a very busy work schedule. So my, my, my husband is a very, very hands-on father. And I must say that when I talk to colleagues, when I talk to the families uh, around me, because like I mentioned, I, I, I serve at Pongo, many young families. I find that many young fathers mm. are actually very actively involved. Mm. You know, no longer that, oh, father equals sole breadwinner means spend a lot of time outside home means doesn't take care of children. No, yep. no, it's not like that. A lot of fathers are very involved. Nappy changing, sending the kids to childcare, you know, on uh, the weekends, getting involved in the household chores. I mm. think that's quite the norm. Mm. And I think that's a very, very positive yeah. thing. It should be that way. Yeah. So um, on your question as to what do I uh, tell my children, actually, the, to, to me... I don't make it gender-specific. 
But there are certain universal values mm. that I think are important to inculcate to our young. To me, the most important two values, I hope, is to be kind and to be generous. My children always say, uh, sharing is caring. I actually quite like that a lot. You know, I always remind them also, sharing is caring. So when you have something, share it. You know? And that leads to the next point about being generous. Generous is not just about gen generosity with finances or whatsoever. It's also about a generosity in spirit. Mm. You know, about when people have different ideas from you or they are differently abled, you must be inclusive. You must be generous in spirit, in heart, you know, and not miserly and um, whereby you, you see there's a difference between you and me and mm. therefore I try to draw a line between uh, you and I and um, treat different people differently. You know, all those little things, I think from a young age, we should be role models as parents, yep. point it out to them. Then I think when you start at an older age, considering things like uh, gender roles, mm. people who are different from you, mm. you know, people who come from different backgrounds, because your starting principles are kindness and generosity, then I think you have a very good chance at being a very nice and good person, mm. you know, and being a constructive person in mm. society. Mm. Uh, and you can bring your friends and family and the community along with you. Mm. So that's what I that's what I hope la, that I'm able to encourage in mm. my children. Yeah. So I, I guess in that regard, like how do we involve our men? Make sure that they, they receive the fit, the same amount of like fairness, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean if we take a step back, the conversations we are having, they are called conversations on women's development. Mm. But the, the larger issues are also about the women's roles mm. uh, in society. And a role can't just be singular on its own, right? Because roles interact with others. So men, their feelings, uh, the outcomes uh, that they see are also a function of the women's roles vis-a-vis uh, -vis them. That's why I mentioned earlier that uh, the conversation has to involve both men and women. Yeah. And I have no doubt, you know, that uh, as long as we can get men involved in the conversation, and I hope they step forward to do so, uh, that they would surface uh, mm. um, their views on the matter. When we look at it, we don't look at it as zero-sum and as antagonistic partners. Yep. We, 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 we don't need to look at it in a kind of a conflict mm. kind of a manner. You know, let's look at how we can work together. Mm. I think a, a, a woman is happy if the man in her life is happy and a man is happy if the woman in his life is happy. So how can we collectively be more happy? <laughs> I think that should be our starting point. Uh. Yeah. I think when we collectively make that effort, right, then I think Singapore can truly be a fairer, kinder, a more generous society. And I hope, especially with your target audience being many young people, uh, that they can join us on this journey. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Thank you. I think that's... Thank you. We are good. Yeah. Alright. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. It was really exciting for us to have a Member of Parliament down on our episode to talk about an issue that is the basis of which we exist. Gender equality. If you're tuning in to this episode and are wondering how you can be involved and have your voice heard, Rest assured, the team involved in the white paper want to hear from you. All you need to do is to register your interest at go.gov.sg forward slash sgwomen. That's all for this week's episode. 
Remember to subscribe to us and follow us on social media at Something Private Pod.